end, what we did is we shifted to heavily over communicating than not communicating enough, right? Like, so we'd rather have more touch points so that they also understand certain decisions that we are taking. And I think that's very crucial. So from the beginning onwards, we were very transparent. That's really crucial. So A, over communication and B, full transparency. Hello and welcome to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. Right now we're in the midst of the coronavirus, so we are recording this remotely. I'm here with Oliver Aust, who is the founder and CEO of eWipso. Hi, Oliver. Hi, Lena. And our guest today is Michael Riegel. He's the founder and CEO at Comtravo. And Comtravo is a very well-known startup based in Berlin that specializes in helping SMEs to easily book, manage and expense their business travel. Hi, Michael. Hi, Oliver. Hi, Lena. Nice to meet you. You have a super nice founding story for the company. Uh, would you mind sharing that with us? Sure, absolutely. It's interesting. So I, before basically starting Comtravo, I worked in, in the US, in San Francisco. I was responsible for the operations of one of the tech companies there. And part of these operations were obviously like pretty much all the budgets. And then part of this budget, again, was also travel. And we traveled a lot since we had offices in Europe and a lot of cities in the US. So there was a lot of travel spent. And at some point, we had to care also about costs and make sure that we are spending consciously. And that also then included uh, travel. What I basically then did is I tried to get an overview of like, hey, what are we actually spending, who's spending what, and so on. And this was really complicated since our accounting department didn't really know in detail like who was spending what, at what point, and so on. And then what I did is basically, I, for the first time, basically Googled travel management. And when you Google that, the top results are the large agencies that are dominating the market. Basically, what I did then is I, I reached out to them, sent them an email, said, hey guys, we're spending close to a billion a year on travel, and how can you help us? And actually, I didn't get a response. Like the first response I got, and that's no marketing story, but actually a true story, uh, the first response I got was after three and a half weeks and later, later onwards I was, I was on the call and like I looked at the product and figured out it's a pretty expensive pretty manual feels a little bit like kayak in, in, in 2001 and overall I think like you can do a better job and that in combination with when we look at the uh, B2C travel market there's a lot of innovation been happening over the last years um, and a lot of that is still missing in business travel space and I think that's something we are changing. When I started to read up on Contravo and your background story, what struck me is that the travel industry is still quite manual. And, you know, even after 20 years of digital disruption in the industry, and, and I was part of that for a long time, you know, you don't get an answer. Rather than a chatbot, there's you know, a three-week waiting period to, to get a reply to an email, even if you wave with a $1 million budget. Isn't that amazing? Did, did you expect that? Um I didn't expect it to that extent. Since I'm now in the industry, I do understand more and more why this is the case or has been the case. I think a lot of it is actually driven by the infrastructure in the business travel space. So if you compare the consumer travel space with the business travel space, business travel is much more complex, right? It's not enough to basically just list the, the cheapest flight. Um, so price is definitely relevant, but there's a lot of other criteria that are relevant. You need to be able to waitlist people. You need to be able to show certain booking classes. You need to be able to very conveniently rebook or cancel things and so on. So a lot of things that are very crucial that don't really exist to that extent or are not that important in the in the consumer travel space. And all these things are comparably complex um, in building them into your technology. So partially it's that the airlines just don't offer the the right, call it APIs, so the right connections that you can do it programmatically. Partially like the APIs that they are offering are really old school, so it's not that easy to actually build systems. Um, and I think that makes it much more complex in, in order like to build a similarly convenient product for the consumer in the business travel space. And I think this is about to change. So there is 
more and more airlines actually start offering direct APIs, so direct connections where you can do a lot more, where you have a lot more functionality. But this is also still in a comparably early phase. But we are definitely riding that wave and, and that allows us to do more and more for, for our travelers um, and make it more and more convenient. Just before you were talking about the fact that the first time you reached out, it took three and a half weeks for you to get a response, which is really quite a long time and you'd probably forgotten what you were emailing mm -hmm. about by the time you get a response. Mm -hmm. How have you guys at Comtravo made business travel simpler and made it possible for smaller companies that are not at that enterprise level? What makes you guys different there? I mean, in the end, it's like a lot of the, the consumer thinking that we bring into this product. So um, to give you an example, it's like the reason why it took so long is that's not, not so much the product yet, but it's a lot around also the how you think about marketing and sales, right? Like when someone reaches out to you, what do you do with that lead or that person? And I think that's something where we come a lot more from the from the software angle where we say hey that person that is interested in our product they don't actually need to talk to someone they can if they want to especially if it's bigger companies they definitely want to talk to someone who guides them through changes but um, if it's a smaller company they can just sign up and and go for a free test phase um, and that's that's something that was not typical or is not still right now not typical in the space but there's long implementation periods and so on um, versus um, the fast they can just sign up and pretty much same day start booking start sending invites to their employees and they can just test the tool for free so no fixed fees nothing if they don't want to use it anymore they can stop any point of time and that's a completely different thinking in comparison to what i think a lot of the typical players in, in the space have been doing so essentially this puts the consumer at the forefront of the product um, yes. So I think that's, that's one big part. So we're still obviously caring about the company. So a lot of the convenience of our product also comes from automating kind of the backend processes, right? The processes that nobody actually really needs, but they're just still necessary. So I don't know, the whole accounting and expense management, right? Like collecting the receipts, making sure the right invoice addresses on the receipt, uh, making sure it actually shows the, the VAT on, on the invoice. Uh, I don't know, the small hotel, that's not straightforward. And since a lot of these background processes that are important, especially for the company, is also something we are cutting out and automating and ensuring for the company so that neither the traveler nor the company actually needs to do. So yes, while we put the consumer at the forefront, we also heavily care about companies and making their life easier. It's super interesting. And, and what struck me is that a lack of communication with one of the incumbents has been the origin story of your company. And it seems to me that the success you've had over the last four or five years since you found it in 2015 is due to superior customer communication. Would you agree? Is, is that really one of the driving forces? It's definitely one of the driving forces. Yes, absolutely. I think it's, in the end, it's a combination of like, I mean, the, the question is, where does the superior communication capabilities come from? And that in the end, uh, a lot of that is technology. So what we basically do is we, we don't just believe in like simply building software. We do believe software is absolutely crucial. But then, as I also mentioned in the beginning, in the business travel space, you can't solve everything with software. So there is also some human um, expertise needed. So to give you an example, like when, I don't know, Lufthansa goes on a strike or now in this phase of the coronavirus, there's a lot of things that you just can't do programmatically. And therefore, what we basically did is we built that kind of human machine hybrid where we heavily enable our customer support or travel agents. But to the extent possible, we try to automate everything that is possible with the software. And that in the end um, allows us to, to act much faster than typical players, to make it more convenient for the actual travelers since they get faster responses, they can do more themselves if they want to. And in the end, it also lowers costs on our end that we can then pass through to, to the actual customer. Um, so yes, I think communication is, is clearly like one very crucial thing that we we do better to the extent that the technology allows us to do better. 
And since you mentioned the coronavirus, I mean, that, that's probably a good example that can't automate for. That's a freak accident. How did you communicate that to your many customers who will have booked travel in the period where travel is no longer possible? So I think the, the kind of the needs of, of customers and companies has changed over the last, let's say, two months, right? Like since the first things around Corona were basically popping up. And what we basically did is we also, and we, again, I think that's an example of like a difference. I think we have early on very actively communicated around Corona. And there's a few things we've been doing. So pretty much since two months, we are sending a weekly kind of Corona update newsletter where we very specifically give updates on certain travel restrictions, on how countries are changing laws, on how airlines are also changing changing their rules to the extent that, hey, can I get a refund now or can I just rebook for free? So these information that are usually not that easy to get, we are kind of creating that content and sending that out um, to customers already for a couple of months. And then we have, uh, we have added uh, quite a few other features. So for example, one feature that became much more important that we've uh, recently launched due to the coronavirus is we call it like the world map and you can basically see all their upcoming travels and their past travels on a per country basis so you can imagine that you have this kind of world map and you can then zoom in and see okay basically who is traveling within europe in the next uh, 20 30 50 days or who has traveled land and then you can zoom in let's say okay italy is somewhere where like nobody should travel to italy at this point of time then you zoom into italy and see if there's any travel planned there and that i mean right now when there's when we come to a situation where there's almost no travel, this is pretty straightforward, right? You can just check on the map, okay, there's uh, no one needed. But in this kind of shutting down phase, and then again, in the ramping up phase, will which will eventually come, it's very important for a company to keep control and, and keep their travelers safe and therefore be able to see like, where, where are my people actually going? I think that's like a good example of, of something that we have specifically developed now for these Corona times and that we got very good feedback for. How did you guys come to that decision and what was that process like to create that and then communicate that feature? It's interesting. So that's actually, I think that's kind of the, I would also say the power of startups or, and, and by startups, I mean mainly like companies that are still not that bureaucratic. So what basically happened is that we, we usually have our roadmap for product development and features. We have a, um, usually a bi-weekly update meeting on this where we might reprioritize things and so on. In that case, um, have now been doing is that we kind of changed our normal communication. So we haven't done that bi-weekly meeting. Our CTO and CPO were basically also pinging myself and a few of the product owners and saying, hey guys, let's do an ad hoc meeting still same day to discuss what our customers might actually need in these times now. And that was, as I said, like roughly two months ago when we for the first time really realized, hey, this Corona thing is something that, that will stick with us for quite some time now and we have to take it very seriously. Pretty much same day in the evening, I remember it was like, a, I think a 6 p.m. meeting where then our VP sales came in and he gave insights from what he believes that our customers need. Based on that, we then defined what are things that we could do in order to, to give them relief on certain topics. And then based again on that, we prioritized. And that all happened pretty much within that meeting. The, the product team then took these kind of features to kind of spec it out and see how much effort it is. And then literally next day, we started developing. And then, for example, the first feature we, we released within like a week. Yeah, which shows that like while it makes sense to stick to, I think, standard communication and standard meetings, it's very powerful if you don't necessarily need to stick to it, but you can actually spontaneously still say, okay, all core decision makers get together, we'll reprioritize today and start developing tomorrow. Uh, obviously, it's it's quite a hit for the travel industry and many other industries, but do you see any opportunities arising from this crisis? A lot of opportunities. So um, yes, absolutely. Like I think the, the crisis is hitting the whole travel industry pretty heavily. It doesn't matter if you are kind of a typical travel agency, if you are like a tech company in that space, if you are an airline, like I think pretty much anyone is hit by that. And, and that also includes us, right? Like, so we also see 
revenue is heavily going down. I think a lot of opportunities are arising, A, around product and engineering. So exactly what I mentioned, right? Like if um, if the team is working um, even better together and are releasing certain features very quickly, this is opportunities around making customers even more loyal, making them more happy, also potentially acquiring new customers, since that is something that they might not see with other companies. So there's a lot of opportunities around that. The other thing is we are in that kind of like lucky situation that we've just recently raised a pretty significant funding round. So we have all the capital needed to maneuver through a, a very, very long crisis. So we don't believe that there's a full recovery um, happening within the next 12 months, but it will take something between 12 to 24 months. And we likely go into a global recession. That's what we believe and that's what we have planned for. And this again means that there's there will be certain opportunities popping up since um, we are probably one of the few companies in the space that has enough capital to A, go through that, B, still selectively invest into certain things. So we're still doubling down on product and engineering. That's where we don't like, we continue to hire there. We continue to, to really focus there. And then, and this is a bit sad, but that's often how markets focus. It's very difficult, obviously, for smaller, not so well-funded uh, travel agencies uh, to survive, right? Like um, if you don't have the capital, it's this is very tough since it's just like your revenues, revenues are disappearing while your cost base is still there. And I think that's something we also see as an opportunity to see, can we partner with some other companies that are not so well-funded and and take some opportunities on that end. While we believe that this is a hard, hard hit for the for the travel industry overall, I think we are comparably lucky um, in, in terms of the positioning that we are having. I guess financials aside, this period of time that we're facing right now is difficult for all businesses and all leaders. As a founder and I guess, you know, leader of the company, how are you trying to guide the rest of the organization through this? Obviously, people are worried about job security to some extent and worried about the future and worried about the slowing down of industry. How have you kind of changed your communication to make people feel more safe and secure? Mm-hmm. I think overall, there have been a lot of changes around communication in the last three, four weeks. I mean, that starts most obviously with all the remote communication. So I think that was the first big, big shift in our communication Yeah, three weeks ago. It was roughly three weeks ago when we first went to work remotely with the whole company. We had quite a few touch points and meetings with the whole company. So you, for example, we had a bi-weekly um, all-hands meeting where we brought all employees together and updated them. I think what the first big change we did is we heavily um, intensified that. So we shifted that to actually having now a weekly all-hands meeting where um, pretty much once a week we update all the company on, on all things that are going. We introduced a, a daily video update. So pretty much any day in the morning. Roughly at 8.30, we are sending around a short one to two minute video to the whole company where we give just a quick update of what are topics that are on our company agenda for today, for potentially the rest of the week, any any broader news, anything else. In the end, what we did is we shifted to heavily over communicating than not communicating enough, right? Like, so we'd rather have more touch points, keep people more in the loop so that they also understand certain decisions that we are taking. And I think that's very crucial. So from the beginning onwards, we were very transparent in terms of how prices might affect us, how we are now evaluating this, how we're trying to make decisions based on that. And then it's much easier for people to also understand this. So to give you an example is like, I mean, one thing we introduced is, um, is short-term work, so Kurzarbeit. And I think this is something that our all our team basically completely understood since we had pretty much starting three weeks ago, very openly been communicating around that. That's really crucial. So A, over communication and B, full transparency. So, so yeah, don't, don't try to, like, I think people can, can deal with 
so to say, harsh news or people can deal with, with the reality. You just should be transparent about it. Um, and, and then this actually grows the team even closer together. That's something we have now been seeing. And I think that's very worthwhile. But that's like some of the, uh, I think the changes we did around communication and in terms of Corona, but also especially in terms of now working uh, completely remote. I completely agree with that approach. And I like the word you're using, over-communicating, because in the, in the crisis, especially internally, it's very hard to over-communicate. The daily video update you mentioned, is that, does that foster dialogue or does it come for you? And, and how do you put it out? What are the reactions to it? Walk us through that process a little bit. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that was actually also a kind of a learning curve on that end. So we first thought, hey, it's important to show more touch points, right? To also give people a start into the day, right? Like um, usually like when you come in the office, you say hello to all the people and so on. So that's something we try to replicate with that video, yeah? By posting it um, early in the morning when we basically, or when I basically started working, we believe was a good uh, a good sign. I think what we realized after the first week of this is that there was, and we posted this on Slack, right? Like we just posted in the channel, channel on Slack, um, short video, and people were actually reacting to it. So they, they posted like thumbs up or um, they also put certain comments below that if they had questions. Uh, it fostered some communication also. Probably most of the communication was then more on an individual level, that someone pinged me, someone pinged one of um, our management team members um, if, if they had questions. But I think what it especially did, it gave an even stronger feeling of transparency. So that worked well for the first week. Then after a week, I kind of realized it's like um, if it's always the same person uh, saying something, then this might also get a bit boring at some point um, because it's not that every day you have new content. What we then basically did is we now shifted to, um, we're eight people in the in the management team. We now shifted to basically switching every day. So one person from the management team um, communicates um, once a day. Um, and like that one, one to two minute video gives a quick update. What is top of um, his or her head at this point of time? What are the challenges ahead? But what is also like great achievements or things they, they've done in the past weeks um, or in the past week in, in terms of their department? And I think that made it even more interesting. Like uh, it, it changes the person, it changes the context. And um, yeah, we see pretty much like, I mean, we see how many people are clicking it and watching it. And it's pretty much exactly the whole company that, that looks into this, um, which is always a good sign. It seems like you guys have adapted very well to remote working, which is definitely a privilege. Not every company has been able to do that. Has there been anything that's been difficult or have there been a few hiccups at the start that now are a little bit easier after almost a month? The good thing is like we have been, I mean, in a lot of our departments, we have allowed for working remotely before, um, not to a large extent, but it has happened before. That's why we knew and we actually were running before we started, we were running a short test on this to make sure like our systems are working. We have the video communication set up, we have Slack set up and so on. In that sense, we didn't see a lot of a lot of issues arising. I think there were quite a few things that where we went through a learning curve. Initially, I thought always, hey, if people work at home, it, it might be that they are not working so much, right? Like that's that's one thing. Now, having worked myself in, in home office for, for three to four weeks, it's actually it, it might even be much more intense because you're jumping from one video call to the other one. Usually you walk through the office, you might have a coffee with someone and you have like a lot more time to communicate casually versus here right now, you're basically jumping on that video call and then five minutes later, you're jumping on the next video call and so on. So you need to, it's, it's much more stressful in that sense. Um, if you don't have the time for like little jokes in between and so on, but you're jumping from one meeting to the next one. So I think that's something we realized. We also realized, and that's where we started giving our, our team a lot more advice I mean, you, you often read that around remote work, people, people recommend you to, to stick to certain habits. And I think this is something where we try to give a lot more guidance to our, our team as well now. 
since this is pretty crucial when you, I don't know, when you start the day and kind of your private life mixes with your work life, this is getting pretty weird, right? Like, so you're, you might still be sitting on the couch with the laptop, partially working, partially maybe reading something in the evening, and you don't really have a start and end of the working day. It's not so easy for many people. Um, that also includes myself, for example. And that's where we try to give a lot more guidance. What can you do? Like, how do you start your day? I think the video, for example, helps in the morning to actually say, hey, okay, I use this as a starting point. But then also at some point, make a cut. We, we try to really heavily communicate um, also on, on that end and give guidance. I think that's super important whilst everyone is working at home to kind of encourage people to stick to a routine, also to reduce stress and reassure people that everyone is going through this unusual situation together. Do you have any advice for inserting these casual bits of conversation into the day between the team? Yes. So we have done a few things different. One thing we're doing is we're we're starting basically a, um, so we are hiring currently a coach um, that does once a week, kind of pretty simple, more or less like home gym classes, right? So a lot of people use these apps and do it themselves, but we thought it gives a much better feeling and also more touch points for people if we do that um, or offer that centrally. And it's something where people could also involve their families at home, right? Like, so it can be demanding for people who are very fit, but it's also possible for younger children to, to, to participate and so on. And this, again, is like one central touch point where people afterwards can talk about, right? Like, because they've all participated in this class and that directly gives you a, a starting point for like a private conversation also, where you say, ah, okay, usually I do this sports, um, now we do the central class and so on. So I think that's one thing. The other thing, that's something we haven't introduced company-wide, but in our operations team, they basically introduced that themselves. Not sure if you've heard of that, what is the name of that app? It's called... Uh, a party house or something and we've done something similar what we did is basically we, um, the, the team introduced kind of hangout rooms which is similar to like typical video chats and they have different names um, and, and there's meetings scheduled for in that sense always Friday evening 6pm one is called Comtravo Balcony one is called Comtravo Bar um, one is called Comtravo uh, Disco <laughs> so it's different um, it's basically different themes where people that are basically interested are, are joining and then for example um, last week I was in the bar room and joined for that so people were basically sitting at home, had their laptop there, but had like an afterwork beer open and were just like chatting a bit and, and discussing things. At first I thought, hmm, it's kind of, um, this sounds a bit strange. Um, but I think people are getting used to this kind of remote conversation because you still want people somehow close to you. You still need, like I think human beings just have a demand or a certain need for communication and being close to other people. So better than doing nothing, you might just want to do it remotely. Yeah, I agree. We, we did the same thing actually with our sort of happy hour late on a Friday afternoon and, and it worked really well. I think your analysis is spot on that we're cutting out a lot of the casual private conversations out of our work life because it's basically one video call or one crisis call after the other in our case because we're advising a lot of clients on crisis communication. So it's quite intense and one after the other. So you almost need to create new windows in the diary for social conversation where it's clear this is not shop talk. This is not about the clients or the project, but just you know, how are you? How are you getting on? And that's so important for humans. I mean, you... <laughs> this crisis now you really realize how important human interaction is and that's something many people weren't aware before before this actually happened so a lot more people are actually reaching out now they are texting you here there people that you have sometimes not talked to for like maybe a couple of months they're suddenly writing you and so on so that's that's very interesting to see for you and Contravo, what are you looking forward to when this is all over i'm actually looking for forward to being in the office again so, so just meeting people being there having an even clearer rhythm and so on 
this actually holds true for a lot of people. So while usually like a lot of people are pushing for working from home, um, I think already by now from talks I had with a few people in our team, a lot of them actually told me, hey, I'm really looking forward to being back in the office again. It sounds counterintuitive, but that's actually the case. So since that's something we're definitely looking forward to. Yeah, so it's probably the most important thing is the human interaction. Um, so that's something we are, we are really missing, uh, to be honest. In terms of efficiency and so on, the, the, I think there we are pretty lucky with our business model that just pretty much anything of that works remotely. So it's not that we are losing a lot of efficiency on that end, um, but what we're losing is the the actual true human interaction. And um, I think that's something I would love to have back. Totally. And what do you think, what will the crisis do to business travel habits? Do you think people will in future replace more business trips with video call? Good question. So obviously, um, that's a question we, we heavily discussed over the last weeks already. So I think there's a few things. So I think the business travel market overall, I think, will take probably up to two years to fully recover. And um, I think the main driver for this is basically that also like businesses just need a lot of time to recover and come to a normal status again. We don't fundamentally believe that uh, business travel patterns will heavily change um, due to communication links. So, I mean, that's the same argument that um, was there in uh, after 9-11 afterwards. And back then, we already had Skype and other communication tools. And pretty much in line with what I stated before, it's like there's so many things that where you need to have human interaction, like uh, negotiating a deal. It's so much more difficult to do that remotely. Hiring someone. So we fly in people for recruiting purposes. That's for a reason. I mean, we could easily do a video interviews already right now. But we just don't feel comfortable hiring someone remotely. Yeah, so there's a lot of touch points that where it's just so difficult to do that remotely. And I mean, we see this if you look at our numbers. Um, as I said before, this has heavily travel has heavily been declining. But even right now, I mean, we are in the midst of like that heavy, heavy crisis. We still have actually like, what is it, like uh, probably 10, 10 to 15 percent of our volume, um, which means that even in this phase right now, there's still somehow good amount of travel happening, right? Which is crazy, right? Because you would say like, this is really the time where people stay at home. And this already shows that there's just a very natural need for, for meeting people and traveling. So yeah, I think it's one thing where we, we are not fundamentally concerned that um, business travel will not come back to that extent due to other communication means. And I think that's just, yeah, that it will not be the case. I think maybe in the future at some point when you have, I think these write-off discussed a few times about kind of like 3D animations where you can more or less like beam yourself into another meeting room and this feels even more real and then let's see if but like just normal video conversations are just not replacing it michael do you have any final advice on leadership and communication for listeners or other ceos yeah i mean again interesting enough we thought a lot around communication and discussed a lot around communication in the last weeks um, and i mentioned a few things already like over communicating and so on i think one other thing i realized again is and that's probably one of the most important information is actually the power of early information or early communication what do i mean by that? i think it's it's extremely powerful if certain people have certain information potentially earlier than other ones. So while, let's say, I don't know, we're announcing something in, in the All Hands on Friday, then having updated, I don't know, your team leads before that and, and communicated with them before that can just be like one hour before that. doesn't matter how, how far it's in advance, but it gives them a much, much better feeling around this because they in the end also need to then check in with their teams and so on. And if they knew things earlier than other people, be it positive things, be it negative things, then it, it gives them such a better feeling. And I think that's something that really selectively communicating and making sure that you loop in people, sort people early enough is something where, like, since, since I consciously do this, this has helped a lot and also helps a lot on loyalty of people um, because they don't have the feeling they were surprised by something, but they've known it before you overall communicated it. So I think that's, I think that's one, of, one of the learnings where um, if you do that very consciously, uh, it will help a lot. 
Thank you, Michael. There's so much good advice in this this conversation. What I take away, among many other things, is your combination of superior technology and superior communication with customers is really a recipe for success that can be copied and applied, I think, in, in other sectors as well. And secondly, your approach to crisis communications, you know, proactive uh, communication, be transparent and over-communicate in a crisis and don't let your people second-guess what's going on. So I think all of that is really sound advice. And super timely advice as well. So thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thanks a lot for your time as well.